0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here at Locked On Nationals Podcast. is a late night edition, it's uh, the 9th of June 2022. Matt Wyrick is here from NBC Sports Washington. We are here to break down Steven Strasburg's 2022 debut. He is back from surgery, which he got last year. Had a rough night, but there was some positives in there. We'll have our thoughts about it, some thoughts from Dave Martinez as well. All that and more coming up on the day's show you are locked on nationals your daily washington nationals podcast part of the locked on podcast
1: network your team every day
0: Once again, Josh Neighbors here joining us. It is Matt Weirich. And Matt, we usually start off by, I usually say the position, the standings, the Nationals are, the record, the whole thing. We'll save that because that's going to pertain to a conversation with a trade deadline that we're going to have coming up. So we'll save the state of things as we always do it. The real big news here is Steven Strasburg. He's back. He made his first start back in the big leagues tonight. Uh, it's his first one. What was it since, uh, I'm trying to think last year. was
1: 373 it? days, June 1st. Yeah. 24th. June
0: 1st. I knew it was like late June, early, uh, late May, early June. So yeah, it was, it was 373 days. He is back and we'll give folks the final line on him tonight. It, it was an up and down night for him. I actually think there was some positive as much as there can be four and two thirds, eight hits, seven runs, uh, that were earned five K's on 83 pitches. So your just overall thoughts, you know, that just seeing him back on the mound, I thought it was – because like here's the thing. There's not a whole lot to get excited about this year. So I think it was just like nice for Nationals fans to have something to be excited about, right? Like this guy's just back. It was nice to see him on the mound again, I think was my first thought.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if you ask anybody in the Nationals organization if Steven Strasburg pitching today was a win, they'd say yes. It really yeah. did not matter. What the results were, it would have been nice if he could have gone out there and, and had a nice outing. I'm sure his fantasy managers would have been very pleased had he done so. But uh, the results weren't there. But overall, I think that the Nationals have to be kind of happy with what they saw from him. Uh, as you mentioned, he was kind of up and down there. came out. The Marlins scored three runs in the first inning. Then he really settled down through the second through the fourth inning. Didn't allow a single hit. He racked up all five of his strikeouts over that time. He induced a double play. Looked like he was really settling in there. And then the wheels just kind of fell off for him with Jesus Sanchez hitting a two run homer to end his night, not allowing him to get out of the fifth as he gave up four runs in that frame to put seven on the day. Uh, But overall, you know, I thought that the curveball and the changeup both showed a lot of movement, which is something that, you know, I was really looking for him from him Uh, during his rehab starts. It looked like his off speed pitches were working just as well as they had before, which is important because Strasburg's velocity had declined. Uh, in recent years, even going into 2019, his his fastball v was on his way down. Then it really dropped 2020, 2021. It was, again, pretty low today, but David Martin yeah. has said after the game that he actually expects him to get back up to that 93, 94 range uh, this season. It's it's more something that as he kind of gets settled into a routine, he thinks that v will come back. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Uh, but overall, I think that despite the results, the Nationals have to be happy with seeing Strasburg back out there.
0: Yeah, I think Nationals is an organization. Nationals, fan. I mean, look, they just, they've got so much invested in the guy. And not just from a monetary standpoint, right? I mean, this guy is, um, you know, what he means to this franchise. Like, it's it's crazy to me to think that it's what, I mean, what year did they draft him? Uh, I always forget what year it was. What?
1: It was 09, because Harper. Was
0: so we're in yeah. year 13. is And I, I remember him at saying I remember watching him pitch in college. Uh, you know, as, as a as a really young pup watching him pitch in college, thinking, "Wow!" Because you know, remember the thing about him in college is, "Oh my God, this guy's throwing what 101 miles an hour." And it was
1: freak out game at one point, right?
0: And it was funny seeing him tonight. You know, um, and, and look, he's. I think he's in. a, I mean, we've we've seen him go through one evolution, but like, there there's a chance of velocity. You know, it, it doesn't stick at 94, right? Forever, right? There's a chance it actually does, it doesn't happen. And to think it's like now the best case for him is 94. I mean, this guy's going to have to go through um, what all pitchers have to do, right? Learn. You have to learn how to – a lot of guys have to go through that – unless you're Max Scherzer you're an alien. You have to learn that process of like, all right, my stuff is not this level anymore. And I think he's, I think he's got the secondary stuff obviously to do it. Um, you know, for him it's just – I think it's going to take a long time. To, I'm not going to doubt him and saying he can, can't get back to who he was. I just think it's going to be a process of like, all right, what can my body handle? What can my arm handle at the big league level every five days? And how can I be most effective? I think he'll get back. But to me, this is going to be a slow burn, just like the recovery process was, right? We, we knew that after after they kind of pushed it and tried to get him back there in 21, it felt like they needed to take everything so slowly. And they have. And I think that the, the recovery for him uh, in terms of quality is going to be a slow one too. So I think he can do it, but I think there is, there's a learning curve even for a guy, you know, I brought up the age, like for, even for a guy who's been around the the pro baseball for 13 years now.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's signed to a deal that's going to keep him uh, in, in DC for another five seasons. I mean, you know, that's, Going to take him late into his 30s, there's, like you said, there's really no way you can expect him to maintain that 94 mile an hour velocity, it, given that it was already declining in the first place. It's probably going to continue to go down, uh, even if he is able to kind of regain that 2019 speed. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what the great pitchers do. And the fact that he wants to pitch into his 30s, you know, shows that he is is willing to try in uh, willing to adapt his game, he did it back in 2019. He showed that he can rely on more off speed pitches. That that changeup can really be a filthy weapon for him, just as much as that spike curveball is. I mean, that curveball was what really made him such an elite prospect. And don't get me wrong, it's it's probably his his highest graded pitch throughout his career. But I think that changeup has been really underrated for him. I think it's a dangerous weapon, one of the best changeups in baseball uh, when he's at his best. And uh, you know, I, I think that he locates well enough. He can do. The, what what guys like Justin Verlander and Adam Wainwright have done in elongating their careers by you know kind of becoming these these still strikeout artists but guys who you know really have to rely on their location. Strasburg can be that precise. We've seen him do it before, and I think that it's something we can continue to see. It's certainly not yet time to write him off, even with these injuries he's had the last few years. He just has to stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the guy who's a World Series MVP, right? It's like you know. You don't lose that part of you that allows you to go into big situations and get the job, or at least you know, think get the job done. Um, let's talk about the start itself. So I I thought I thought it was a I mean, jazz chess man. Like that was hey, welcome back, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> welcome back. I'm gonna bunt one right down the third baseline, and I mean a picture perfect bunt, right? I thought Franco could have given that one the old college try. Um, I enjoyed watching him back up on the ball. that was clearly not going to go anywhere to the foul line. That thing at about two or three feet there, and he's backing up. And I just thought, damn, like, I felt so bad for Strasburg there because that was like the oh, – like, you know, like he's he, – obviously he's in the 30s, so he, he knows how this thing works. But I, I did think that was funny, kind of how that worked. And um, that first inning really felt like a reintroduction, right? I think with about 16 pitches, he had a chance to get out of it. And then it kind of snowballed on him just a little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, gave up a double, uh, a couple of hard hit balls, Uh, you know, obviously just jazz running all over the place, wasn't helping things for him. Um, But overall, you know, that was a situation where he could have gotten out of it. Like you said, one more pitch and and he's out of there without giving up a single run. Ultimately he does kind of unravel a bit. And, you know, early in his career, first innings were a thing for Strasburg where he would really struggle uh, in that first frame and then settle in. So this is nothing new, uh, that we've seen from him before. Uh, you know, he's kind of has to learn to pitch again. I mean, you know, he hasn't pitched in over a year against major league competition. Uh, we're going to have to see him settle into a routine again. Uh, what we haven't really seen him do even back when, uh, he was pitching back in 2021, he missed some starts here and there. Wasn't really, like pitching every five days. So it's honestly probably been three years since Strasburg was really pitching every five days on a consistent basis. So as long as he can settle in and, and, you know, basically get back to the routine that he used to have and uh, get used to feeling sore again and feeling what his body is like, you know, one day after a start, two days after a start, knowing when to press, when not to press, you know, that, that VLO that wasn't there today. Maybe it's a good thing that he wasn't rearing back and throwing as hard as he could because, you know, he's probably not prepared for how sore he's going to feel tomorrow uh, or how sore he's going to feel tonight. And, you know, not pushing as hard as he possibly could on day one uh, is probably a smarter idea as opposed to, you know, going all out. And then all of a sudden he's getting going back on the injured list with arm fatigue in two weeks. The Nationals want him to stay in the rotation. That's why he took so long to, to come back this year. They took their time. Uh, you know, he was originally only expected to miss a couple of weeks to start the year and, and it ended up turning out to be two months. Uh, but the most important thing for the Nationals was once he's back, he's back. Uh, and so right. it, honestly, that one of the most successful things you could say about this season at the end of the year, when you look back, is that Steven Strasburg didn't return to the injured list. So if that happens, I think that the Nationals will be very pleased.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, he he is like the freight train type starter. Like once he gets going downhill, it's usually really good. And actually I think we saw a little that, a little bit of that tonight, right? I mean, that second, that third, and that fourth were really strong. Those were really, really strong innings for him, I, I, I thought. So you saw a little bit of the old Strasburg, right? The sometimes rough starts, the really good, really good in the middle. And then, you know, they got to him there. Uh, you know, at, at, what was it in the – I'm trying to remember now. The, it was the sixth. Yeah, yeah. So he's out there, yeah, right, in the fifth, and the Marlins put up the four spot there. Um I will say this, like the one thing that, that you and I have talked about ad nauseum, one thing we've seen a lot this year, high pitch counts in the fourth, in the fifth. So I like, I think once again, there's were really, really strong. He was, you know, getting ground balls, that kind of stuff. Um, that is something the Nationals desperately need. And also, I don't think we're going to see him get rocked in every fifth inning that he pitches in. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a thing. So. I, I think that's one point, Matt, where I want to just say, you're going to get your thoughts on that. Like, this is something the Nationals desperately need. I you know it's one start, but we can't be doing the Gio Gonzalez, five, you know, 100 pitches in five innings. He's always kind of my target guy I go to for that example. I feel like he did that a whole lot. But, uh, you know, Eric Fetty is the world, Nib- nibbling, kind of getting that pitch count up. This, this is positive, the fact that he was in a great position pitch number wise. Now, look, I, I don't know, if, you know, they weren't going to take him too deep into the game, but like, you know he could have kept going out there you know pitch wise it wasn't like he was hitting some hard cap
1: no I remember when the season began somebody asked me uh who do I think is going to be the Cy Young of the Nationals this year and my answer was Patrick Corbin and not because I thought that Corbin would be the best pitcher on the Nationals au contraire I definitely did not and right. that didn't <laughs> be that case but I did think that uh, Corbin would lead the Nationals in innings this year. And I think that that is incredibly valuable for a rotation that saw Yoan Doan and Josiah Gray, two very young pitchers, you know, handling basically the first quarter of the, of the season, uh, two spots of the rotation, you know, with guys like Anibal Sanchez and Joe Ross dealing with injury going to the year. Of course, Ross never actually returned. Same with Strasburg dealing with injury Corbin being there to pitch every five days and give the Nationals five or six innings was incredibly valuable because there aren't a lot of arms that are going to pick things up when Corbin is going three and then gray is only going four and two thirds Strasburg, you know, can't go five, something like that where all of a sudden those start to add up. The bullpen gets really taxed and then the runs just start to add up for this team. And that's how, you know, three-game losing streaks become six, seven, eight-game losing streaks. You know, the Nationals need a stopper. They need an ace, somebody who can at least give the bullpen a break every fifth day. And, you know, Corbin, to his credit, has actually been going relatively deep into games this year. Uh, But now with Strasburg back, if he can consistently go six or seven, never mind the results that he could have, you know, in those games – I think that's incredibly valuable for the Nationals as well, something that they're really going to look for him to do. Of course, they're going to be cautious with him given his injury history. They're not going to try to push him too much. But, you know, they say he is completely ramped up to go, you know, 100-plus pitches uh, every five days. So that should be the expectation once he has, you know, gotten comfortable, acclimated himself, and and gotten a few starts under his belt.
0: All right, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com today. The best prices on parts for your car or truck. So, Matt, also want to kind of get your thoughts on what you heard from Dave Martinez. Anything uh, about Strauss? But I think it should also be noted, too, his next two starts will be at home, right? The Nationals have a gigantic homestand coming up. I believe it is going to be, I'm counting the number now, uh, 11 straight home games. they got three against Milwaukee, three against Atlanta, and then... The old five-gamer, a little throwback, right, the 2021 season, the five-gamer against the Phillies. So we're going to see Steven Strasburg twice. Now he's going to have to face Atlanta, who's been playing better as of late, and also a red-hot Philadelphia team right now. So two pretty tough assignments, but next two starts for him will be at home, which is important to note. So also, what did you hear from Dave Martinez about Strasburg? What were his thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, going back to the fastballs, you know, while the the velo wasn't what, you know, maybe – we would have been hoping to see from him in the start. Martinez did note that fastballs had a lot of movement on them. In fact, the word Mm -hmm. he used was uh, at the end of those fastballs, you know, whether it was some cutting action, whether it was his two seamers sliding across the plane, you know, the, the fastballs had movement. And if you are going to be a finesse pitcher, if you are going to be somebody who relies on location, you can't just throw straight fastballs, you know, especially if they're going to be 90, 91, 92 miles an hour, these hitters are going to catch up to it. So you got to have that deception. Strasburg knows how to throw from similar eye, arm slots and have different pitches. That's That's been part of his game for a long time. But if your fastball can move, your fastball can, you know, even by itself still miss bats, which honestly it did not. He didn't get a single swing and miss, I believe, on a fastball uh, in this game. So that's something that, you know, is, is we're going to have to see improve for sure. Uh, you know, if, if he can get swings and misses on that fastball, and then set up his breaking balls, I think he can still be a very effective pitcher. So that's something to keep an eye on moving forward.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, some non-Steven Strasburg-related stuff. So this week um, on the Junkies, it was Mike Rizzo basically saying, like, there's a lot of time left, but if things go the way they are, we're going to be cautious sellers. Um, I'll tell you what, Matt. I don't know. If, I don't know if right now is the time to be a cautious seller, right? Like, you literally have nothing to lose. I mean, Juan Soto is the only thing on the team that's like of of extreme value right now that you have to lose. Um, and and I think you you tweeted it out the other day. The number of guys who are on expiring deals, um, it it is. I mean, quite impressive how many guys the Nationals have, and just position players. Like you think um Franco Bell Hernandez Adrianza I mean you know all of those guys in my opinion are on the block um, and kind of assets people would cover to have to, you know kind of kind of want I think my mind first goes to Josh Bell right this is a guy Josh Bell with the way he's hit this year with the way he does hit the fact that he is a switch hitter he he would provide the Nationals, in my opinion, the best possible haul. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there really isn't any player who's not on an expiring contract who would bring that much more. You know, Eric Fetty still has a couple of years to control. Right. I think that he still stands to be uh, moved at the deadline, A, because he's out of options, and B, because the Nationals are probably going to want to start bringing up those pitching prospects at some point, namely Cade Cavalli and Cole Henry. And there might just not be room. Uh, for Fetty in the rotation at a certain point. So I think he's on the block as well. But as far as straight value for what, you know, can be brought back, uh, I think that Bell and Cruz are the clear cut one, two guys, uh, with Bell, who has been the more consistent hitter this season and also just being younger, uh, probably standing to to gain the most.
0: Yeah. I forgot to mention else Cruz, so, you know, obviously doesn't play in the infield, but obviously, you know, there's now everybody's at DH, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, I think Fetty's interest. You know, it's it's interesting because the Nationals, the idea of them trading pitching is like, well, <laughs> you like kind of cringe at it because like they can barely get five healthy guys out there, right? I mean, uh, you know, Juan Adon just got sent down, and Evan Lee is going to hold down a spot in the rotation right now, and so kind of the you know, yeah, they've got guys they want to bring up. Like the idea, I think, I almost kind of flinch at it, but it's probably smart, right? Because everybody does need pitching, and so you know, Eric Fetty. For as up and, and his last few performances have not been good, but for as up and down as performances have been, like th- he is an asset, right? He is a back end guy. He is a guy who can also be a bullpen guy for a, uh, you know, for a playoff team. And that could get you something a little bit more than you thought. I mean, we've seen, you know, Lane Thomas was, 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 was the hall for John Lester. So I, I think that you're right. I mean, I think he is a surprising asset in a way most fans might not think. You agree with that statement?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you you don't see him, you know, on the list of players who are an expiring deal. So you'd think, okay, maybe Eric Fetty is somebody that they could keep and, and continue to have in the rotation. But really, does Fetty fit into the Nationals' long-term plans? I, I don't really see it. I mean, you know, there's no Joe Ross, no Austin Both to compete for uh, rotation spots with him. But there are new names that are going to be coming up you know, Jackson Tetriol uh, down in AAA this year has had a very nice season. He's not on the 40-man roster. You know, if you want to bring him up, you're going to have to drop someone from the 40-man unless you trade somebody. So there's, a, there's another guy that could take Fetty's spot. You know, you've got young guys. And, you know, this is the time, you know, with the Nationals flirting with the worst record in baseball, this is the time to be bringing up guys and and seeing what they have. And, you know, Fetty, to his credit, has pitched very well. He's honestly been probably the most consistent pitcher in the Nationals rotation this year, uh, which, you know, is probably not saying too much. But still, in the month of May, he was very effective until that final start he had. I believe it was against the Dodgers when he really got lit up. Uh, You know, overall, he he was pretty solid in that month. And if he can carry that over into June, have another strong month here, uh, I don't see any reason why a team wouldn't be interested in, you know, bringing him in to be their number four, number five starter—not even a guy who maybe you expect to be in your playoff rotation, uh, but somebody to just give you starts down the stretch, and then, like you said, maybe come out of the bullpen.
0: Also, I think there are a lot of bullpen guys they could they could trade off here. I mean, they're they're they've got some value in this bullpen. I, I, I you know, once once again, they are an overworked group. I think we thought this would happen. This is a particularly, in my opinion, know very overworked group, but like. I think we're starting to see it, you know, with some of these guys. You know, Carl Edwards Jr., like, this is a guy who's obviously got some big league, you know, a lot of big league experience, wasn't triple A, so he's concerned, but he has been lights out ever since that first Mets game, you know, that that, that didn't go very well for him. And they've got guys, you know, Paulo Espino, I know he hasn't pitched many high leverage innings, but that's a guy that some team could look at and say, hey, this guy, you know, has been pretty good for them. And then obviously you got guys like Erasmo Ramirez and Victor Arano. I mean, I think uh, the Nationals' bullpen arms are going to be sought after as well. Do you agree?
1: Absolutely. And you've also got Steve Cshek who's a free agent right. left this year and has closing experience in the past. Sean Doolittle is hoping to make a return at some point. Uh, if he can get back yeah. a couple of weeks before. Sucks. The, he had the, such the, a the, strong start, man. Yeah, it, it does suck. But, if you know, if, if he's able to come back and, and pitch the same way, you know, I don't see any reason, especially being a lefty, any reason why the Nats wouldn't at least entertain, Uh, some offers for him. Now, you know, with his prior relationship with the team and, you know, where he is in his career, he may not want to be traded, but, you know, that's certainly something uh, that the Nationals will have to sort out uh, by the deadline. But yeah, like you said, these bullpen arms, Carl Edwards Jr. has been awesome. Uh, You know, I think that he, while he has actually two years of control left because he was brought up literally two days uh, too late uh, to right. qualify for free agency this offseason. The Nationals actually hold control over him next year, which may convince them to keep him around. Uh, you know, maybe he becomes the closer after they tra- trade off guys. Maybe Tanner Rainey is, is on the block. Uh, you know, he has had a couple of blown saves in the last few weeks. Certainly hasn't been super consistent this year, but, you know, that it's fastball... great stuff,
0: man. Yeah, yeah that,
1: that fastball elo is very impressive for sure, and I'm sure there are a team or two out there that feels like they could harness it, so... Uh, you know, while he has several years of control left as well, I feel like he might be on the block. So, you know, like he said earlier, I mean, anyone not named Juan Soto, k Ruiz and um, Josiah Gray is probably available uh, on some varying degree uh, in trade talks this deadline. You know, the Nationals, Rizzo says they're going to be, you know, careful sellers or cautious sellers or whatever he said. Why would you- I, I honestly expect him to be just as aggressive as he was last year. Uh, as you know, they want to, they want to turn this ship around quickly right. and soon. And you can't waste time by keeping guys, you know, if, if there's a deal out there for a young player that you think might have some upside, you're probably going to do it at this point of their re- reboot.
0: Right. I mean, you know, there's no reason to let Josh Bell hit free agency. It, you know, if, if you want him back and you and I have talked about a bunch, sign him, do it now, you know, get that thing done. Uh, but don't let him walk. Don't get nothing for that. Uh, I wanted to mention twenty-one and thirty-eight. Of the Nationals, seventeen games back at the first place. in New York Mets are nine and eighteen home, twelve and twenty uh, on the road. Nine, minus ninety-one run differential. They've lost three straight. Three and seven to last ten. I, I will say, you and I had the conversation about whose jersey do you buy right now if you're a Nats fan. Um, I like Khris Ruiz, right? Like, I think I think this we can do this now. But this he is those,
1: those jerseys weren't even stocked until about a month or so into the season, so. He has been
0: he has been awesome to watch, especially behind the plate. And look, there's still some more. There's still some balls that get by him. I think there's actually one tonight that probably should stop. Yeah,
1: and he had a catcher's interference uh, yesterday, and he he picked up an error on another play the day before. I mean, he's still having rookie errors, uh, you know, young player mistakes. But you can see very clearly that this skill set is elite.
0: And he's like once again, you and I have. I mean, it's just a bunch, but the ability to run a staff, right? The ability to run a staff is the reason why catchers are getting drafted so high right now, as it is. Um, and
1: well, then also
0: Josiah Gray's bounced back too really well. Like he has oh, really yeah. been that's so good. Starts, last three starts have been all, awesome.
1: Right? Yeah, and I want to say just on K-Birds close the book there. My my take right now, and I don't know if this is a hot take. It might just be a loop form take. Uh, but right. given his relative youth uh, and lack of national pedigree, it might be a hot take nationally. I think that Kavit Ruiz, as of right now, absolutely, absolutely be- deserves to be an all-star uh, on the NL all-star team this year. Wilson Contreras should be the starter uh, for the National League. He's been the best catcher in baseball thus far this year. Uh, but I can't name a single other catcher uh, who should deserve to be holding that number two spot behind Contreras uh, over Kavit. And that includes JT Realmuto, includes Tyler Stevenson, who's having a nice season for the Reds, includes Dalton Varsho uh who plays center field and catcher uh for the diamondbacks my pick would be K Ruiz for that number two catching spot.
0: Yeah he's he's been you know it's good to see a guy at his age playing this well and I, I definitely think he deserves some consideration for that. It's also nice to see Josiah great bounce back. Like it's really good to see that. And to Nationals fans I think can feel a bit better about the two guys. Like because you know uh and look Josiah is we've mentioned this a bunch, but he's learning. He's he's they're both learning. They're both clearly learning. Um, And so that's kind of the story right here. Matt, you working on anything right now?
1: I'm working on KBit Ruiz, potentially being an all-star post. So stay tuned for that tomorrow, um, which I guess will be today for all of you listeners. Uh, So yeah, definitely come check that out. I'm over at NBCSportsWashington.com and on Twitter at ByMattWeirich.
0: All right, Matt. Appreciate your time as always, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Josh.